0: Good morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. If you're visiting with us, you're our honored guest. If you're joining us on social media, we welcome you as well. In our worship this morning, Brother Bo Gross is going to be leading our singing. Brother Carter Sweeney has our opening prayer. Brother Levi Sweeney, the scripture reading, then Brother Ken Forrest will have the lesson this morning. Guy Gardner will lead us as we observe the Lord's Supper, and Brother Randy Moore will have the closing announcements and closing prayer. We were excited this week that uh, Frog Perigo was baptized into Christ after several studies with Brother J.T. Beard. We certainly welcome him to the family of God. I also uh, had a call yesterday from Lisa Peaks asking for the prayers of the church. You know, she has a very difficult challenge as she cares for hope, and Lisa feels that she is not being the mother she wants and needs to be. And she wants God's forgiveness and his help to cope with her situation. She also wants us to pray that she'll receive the strength and patience that she needs to be the mother that hope needs. Most of all, she wants to be pleasing in God's sight. Would you bow with me as we go to God in prayer? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can assemble this morning to worship Thee. We're thankful for Your love, for Your mercy, and for Your willingness to forgive us. And Father, as Your family, we uh, ask Your forgiveness of Lisa Peaks of anything that You hold against her. We pray, Father, that You would help her to have the strength and patience and wisdom that she needs To be the mother that hope needs. We pray that you would use us as your arms. To support her in this effort. We love you Father. And now Father as we go to you in worship. We pray that all that we do would be pleasing in your sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: Psalm 4 the are wrote in prayer this morning, number 791.
2: 791. On the heavenly night I come, with a humble heart.
3: beautiful morning you've given us to gather together and worship you. I ask that um, we pay attention to what's spoken this morning, and maybe we can find something that we can take back and apply it in our lives. I ask that you be with those who are sick and in your prayers. Please be with our leaders, especially those of our congregation, and help them to lead us in the right direction. And please, also please be with the leaders of our nations, help want to get us back to you, Lord. Thank you for the military protects us and be with them as they perform their duty. Thank you for the many blessings that you have given us throughout our lives, Lord. And just help us not forget that and to always want to put you first in everything that we do. Most of all, I just want to thank you for your son down on the cross for of our sins. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: If you'd like to mark the invitation, Psalm number 911. 911. Psalm before scripture reading this morning. Pure in heart, O God. Pure in heart.
0: I will be reading 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verse 12. 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses.
2: Good morning, everybody. We must be running a special on this side of the building. You folks did not get the memo, did you? We're glad you've chosen to sit over there. I'll just kind of direct my intentions this way. We're just thrilled that you chose to be a part of our assembly this morning and to come here for the purpose of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. I have this card to read to you. Dear church family, your prayers have meant so much to me during my illness. I thank you so very much. I'll be having surgery this Wednesday and ask you to remember me in your prayers. I love you all, Pat Green. Well, Pat's here today and she is anticipating this surgery. Our hope and prayer is that this will be the last of such surgeries and that she will regain her health completely and all this will be a thing of the past. Wouldn't that be terrific? And there's so many others. I, I encourage you to get the bulletin. We'll review some of those here a little bit later. A lot of folks who are suffering in need of your prayers. We believe that the prayer's of effectual people will result in God hearing that prayer. And we believe not only rendering his will in that regard, but he hears his children. And our hope is that he will feel the intensity of our prayers and he'll regard those who are the subject of our prayers favorably. This morning, we're going to talk about confession The importance of it, what God thinks about it, some illustrations of that, all in an effort to know better some foundational points of Scripture. We've been looking specifically at those foundational points that bear heavily upon our salvation. For some of us, it's just a review, and I hope maybe a, a kindling inside of you that, as you remember What's been important for your salvation, that you will want to share that with someone else. But it's also instructive for those who haven't yet taken the steps that we're looking at. Instructive, I mean you gain the knowledge. But what you do with that knowledge, well, that's wholly up to you. It's our hope and prayer that you'll obey the Lord. And you'll enjoy salvation. Before we begin all that, let's pray. We'll pray for Pat and we'll also pray that God will bless us today in our study. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful to you for this day. Thankful for the blessing of health and strength. We're thankful for freedom and for all that was paid to make that freedom possible. We are debtors in so many ways. The thing, though, that means the most to us is our freedom in Jesus Christ, freedom from sin, freedom from the fear of death. We pray, Lord, that you will just build that up in us, so much so that it overflows. Not only will we enjoy what that means, but we will be prompted To share that with somebody else father we think of the sick often and you know that we are seemingly continually in your presence begging for your attention we know that you love your children and your eye is already on them but we just want you to know what our will is our concern And we pray, Lord, for Pat as she is to have surgery this week. We pray it will be a success and that it will provide what the doctor is hoping that it will provide, that her health will return to her, that the things will begin to be normal again. We just pray for her safety through it, for the skill of those who are tending to her. Father, I pray that you will be with us as we open your word, that we will approach it with regard to meditation upon that word, and that it will touch our hearts in the way that you intend for it to. And Father, I pray that whether it is our initial confession, or whether it is our life of confession, That we will never, ever be ashamed of you and our relationship with Jesus. I pray you help me to stress that and get that message over well. And I pray for those who hear it, that it will touch them and make the impression that you intend for it to. In Jesus' name, amen. My initial question with regard to the matter of the good confession that we read about here in our text from 1st Timothy 3, or 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12, is have you, have you confessed? Have you made the good confession? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? I also wonder how you might feel, what your re- reaction is when you hear other people confess Jesus or, or you hear somebody talk about Jesus. When you hear that or you read it expressed in some way, what's your reaction? You, you feel feel good? You feel, feel connected with that? You say, Amen! You know, I'm, I'm right there with you. Or, do you draw back a bit? Do you, do you think, I don't know, that they're strange for talking about Jesus in a public sort of way? I hope not. But there are all kinds of ways we might re- react when a thing happens outside of us. We may, we may think it about our relationship with Jesus. We may may think we believe that He's the Son of God, but just thinking and knowing it is quite a bit different from announcing it to the world. Because in announcing it, we're making an identification of ourselves with Jesus. And two things can come from that. One is just the affiliation that people see. And the second is, Well, in that announcement, depending on their relationship with us, may have a bearing on how they feel about Jesus. Paul says, as regards Timothy, you've made that good confession. You made that good confession in the presence of many witnesses. It was something that you were called to. Interesting that Paul talks about this confession call and how that's actually expressed many times in the scriptures relative to salvation itself or uh, sometimes just simply eternal life. You saw it, of course, when you've read many times the sermon that was preached on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2 at verse 39, not only were those folks who were inquiring what they needed to do to be saved, not only were they believing, repenting, being baptized, but the next verse says that it wasn't just for them, but for those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Well, interesting. God's making a call And the response, according to what was happening here in this text, was obedience to the message that was being preached about the death, burial, and ultimate triumphal resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That call is connected not just in the sermon here, but doctrinally throughout the New Testament scriptures, it's connected with the gospel itself and the transformation that takes place. In other words, God makes a call, in essence, an inquiry, and then we respond to that call. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God, from the beginning, chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which He called you by our gospel. For the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, you, you want that glory? You want to be with Jesus forever? You want eternal life? Response to the gospel call of God. That gospel call has requirements associated with it. We already pointed them out from the sermon that was preached initially that bore upon a continuing call but that call of the gospel, as Jesus was instructing his disciples to go and issue that call, he told them in Mark chapter 16 verses 15 and 16 to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. It's pretty simple, really, this whole idea or notion of, of salvation it can boil be boiled down to just a call and a response God calls for our salvation God calls for our attention he calls for our belief and reaction and then in response to that call we act upon our calling our response to the call through this belief and through this obedience to the gospel. We might wonder, okay, as regards a good confession though, what is it that I should know about that? I mean, what are some particulars related to this matter of a good confession? Well, I will tell you that historically speaking, Peter is one of those who actually made the good confession. It was in the setting in which Jesus and all of his disciples were traveling through Caesarea Philippi. And as was often the case with Jesus, as they're traveling along, he offers questions, penetrating questions. Many times questions that catch the disciples off guard and uncertain as to exactly what Jesus is getting at. This occasion was one of those. So Jesus, just kind of out of the blue, asked them, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And, you know, they're not real sure what he's getting at. And so they say, well, you know, some say John the Baptist. Now, Herod was one of those. In Matthew chapter 14 and verse 2, Herod had been responsible for the brutal death of John the Baptist by beheading. But he was so paranoid about John the Baptist and what he had done, probably the guilt was overwhelming him, that when Jesus came along preaching and he's hearing reports about him, he's like, oh, no, you know, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And so some people were saying, well, Jesus, you know, he he must be John the Baptist. Other people said things like, well, He's Elijah. You know, Elijah was the prophet who was taken up in a whirlwind. He didn't see death. And many people wondered if Elijah wouldn't return the same way. And so they were expecting his return. Some wanted to know if John the Baptist, in fact, was a a repackaging of Elijah. And now some, uh, because of Jesus' connection with John, are also offering up maybe the same idea. Maybe this is Elijah. He's come back. Other people said Jeremiah, maybe. You know, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. I don't know when you think about Jesus, how you think about him. Some people just think about his teaching, like when he was there on the mount. Or his interactions with people, like the woman at the well. Things like that. But if you ever think about the emotions of Jesus. The expressions, not just of his deity, of his purpose, but of his humanity things come to mind, like when he was there at Lazarus' death, and the shortest verse in the Bible, right? Jesus wept. Or, maybe you think of the the lament that Jesus had as he looked over Jerusalem, and he pitied them. In fact, he described himself as loving them so much that it was kind of like, his intention was to be a hen over her chicks. That she would protect them, but they, they just wouldn't do it. That was a deep lament. Very similar to the kinds of things that Jeremiah would do. The lamenting prophet. But that's what men were saying. What do men say? Well, here's what men say. John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or, or one of the prophets... They say you're great, Jesus. I mean, think about it. You're great like John the Baptist was, and he was notable. And all of these prophets of old, I mean, really, you have come a long way. People are associating you with some of the greatest religious leaders that Israel has ever seen. But then Jesus gets more specific. Not what men say. Because men can say all sorts of things. Who do you say that I am? And it was Peter. Are you surprised? It was Peter who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. For I give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter, what you have just said is not what everybody else is saying. In fact, men haven't taught you that I'm the son of God. Very different. <laughs> no, men are saying all kinds of things very close to that. They're saying you're a great man, you're a great prophet, you're a great man of God, but they won't go so far as you are able to testify because you have seen something they haven't. You are receiving the testimony, not of men, but of God. And what is it that God says? He's the Christ. The Messiah. The Messiah the one the Old Testament Scriptures had prophesied of, the fulfillment of prophecy relative to the coming together of God and men, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, not yearly in a continuing fashion on and on and on, but one sacrifice for one time. Jesus, you are it. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. John said, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. and The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. John 1 verse 14 says, We beheld His glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Jesus was the only begotten, the Son of God. I see that, Peter says, but he wouldn't stop saying it. So Peter makes this great confession, this good confession as Timothy has made. As many of us who have obeyed the gospel, we've made the confession, Jesus, he is is the living son of God. Okay, so I see Jesus as that, but Peter didn't stop, right? Not only did he make that initial confession, but he lived a life in dedication to Jesus. Jesus as the Son of God. And then he made this testimony in Second Peter chapter one, beginning at verse sixteen. He said, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mount. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in the dark place till the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Interestingly, here in Matthew chapter 16, we have Peter's declaration that Jesus is the Son of God. In the very next chapter, we have the thing that Peter's referring to here in 2 Peter chapter 1. God's announcement on the Mount of Transfiguration that Jesus is the Son of God. It's a tremendous account of God identifying His Son. But Peter's already made that confession. Peter's already come to that conclusion. How did he come to that conclusion? He says, well, we listened to the prophets. We read those Old Testament scriptures. We saw Jesus fulfilling those things. And I'm here to say that my confidence is that he is none other than the Christ, the Son of the living God. (laughs) No doubt about it. Peter was one who made the good confession about Jesus being the son of God but then so did the apostle Paul at least in the sense that the apostle Paul taught the very thing that he believed and he instilled that truth in so many others who followed in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. It says that if we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Okay, I believe it. But but believing it isn't quite enough. It is the confession of the faith that we have. Not just keeping it all bottled up inside, but it is, it is the outward, it is the overt, it is the, the easily identified confession of that truth. Now I mentioned that all of that was taking place when the very first sermon was preached in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2 verse 21, we see the description of that that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If I call on the name of the Lord, according to this text, I'll be saved. Now, does he just simply mean, just call out to the Lord, save me! <laughs> you know, Jesus addressed that himself in Matthew chapter 7, beginning verse 21. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. For many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Well, wait a minute, Ken. Now, there were some people who called on the name of the Lord. Lord, Lord. <laughs> but, but Jesus himself says that is not enough. In fact, that doesn't reveal anything really. What reveals your acceptance of the call that's been made. When you call in response to my invitation, it isn't just your identification with Jesus, but it is doing the will of my Father in heaven. It is doing the will of the Lord. In fact, Peter was quoting from the book of Joel, one of the minor prophets, chapter 2. It was something that was being anticipated for a long time. It is that connection with Jesus. Not just, okay, in the moment, yeah, I'm overwhelmed. I I believe in Jesus. But the setting, if we were going to, especially here in Romans 10, if we were going to kind of tie a subject matter to this, the idea is how I am saved as a result of the call of God and then my response to that call so verse 13 again whoever calls Romans 10 verse 13 whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved but verse 14 how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things but Isaiah says they have not all obeyed the gospel. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. One must obey the gospel in order to answer the call. You've been called. How do you answer it? According to this text, it is first by hearing the word of God. But in order to hear the word of God, somebody's got to teach that to me. So, the sending of someone to teach the gospel. I hear the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I respond to that. I say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead. Then, as a result of that confession, I can be saved because I've identified myself and my belief that Jesus is the Son of God. And then I acted. I answered the call through obedience He says, to the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the very same thing that Jesus told his disciples to preach from the very beginning, belief and baptism for the forgiveness of their sins. If I'm going to respond to the call of God, it's going to be as a result of, of my obedience to the gospel. My faith prompted it. My commitment in that belief prompted it. But the result was action that led to the washing away of my sins by the blood of Jesus. Paul taught that gospel. Okay, so I've got Peter who himself made the good confession, just like Timothy did. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then I've got the Apostle Paul, who is a great missionary preacher, who carried that gospel, according to Colossians 1, verse 23, to every creature on earth. So he, he knows about the proclamation of the gospel, the call of God to sinners to be saved. That made possible through obedience to that gospel. I I get that. But understand that it isn't just they did those things and they taught those things. They did those things and they taught those things because it is actually a requirement of God. That good confession. In Philippians chapter 2 beginning at verse 9. It says, therefore God has highly exalted him. And that's Jesus and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, here's the whole scenario. Man's lost. God formulated the plan for the salvation of man, which involved the sacrifice of his only begotten son. He died on the cross. He was buried after He shed His blood on that cross. He rose from the dead on the third day. He was triumphant over death. God calls us in response to that action. This text says that because of what Jesus did, every Mouth is going to confess. Everybody, one way or the other, is going to recognize Jesus for who He really is. Now, I, let me put it this way. It, it would be better. <laughs> it, would be, it would be eternally to your advantage to make that confession voluntarily. In fact, if, if, you know, if I care about God at all, if I care about anything Jesus has done, that's going to be my inclination. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. Question, how burdensome is it really to just acknowledge that I believe Jesus is the son of God and that God raised him from the dead. Look, if I believe that, how difficult is it to make that confession? How difficult is it to take the next step and to go with Jesus? Now, look, I'm not having to be nailed to a wooden cross. I'm not having to be nailed up there for six hours and bled out. That's not happening to me. I'm being buried in water. How easy is that? I'm being buried in water. I am through that symbol dying with Jesus. And then I leave the old man. I'm raised to walk in newness of life. I get eternal life through the very simple and easy process. Why is this so difficult? Even even so many people. Yeah, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah, I believe in God. Why is all this other so hard? So I confess. God says you're going to confess. <laughs> you know, it, it's not like I refuse. No. You may refuse now. It'd be better if you volunteered if you love God, but you are going to confess. Romans chapter 14 verse 11. Now, look how strong this is. As I live, says the Lord, stop right there. Does he live? He does. Not just in the moment. He lives in every moment. He has existed eternally in the past. He will exist eternally in the future. He is. He's the great I am. The Lord says, as I live, and I live in all time, every time, even when there's no time, I live. And as I live, let me tell you something. Every knee is going to bow to me. And every tongue is going to confess to God. God says, as I live, that is going to happen. Okay. And I can do that voluntarily and reap the eternal reward. Or I can do it involuntarily. And I have, will have done, even against my will what I should have done in order to result in my salvation. If I delay, my salvation will be forfeited. God requires that I confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God. On his way home, the Ethiopian eunuch, Acts chapter 8, verse 37 A lot of stuff against him with regard to this process. But he's become a believer at the teaching of Philip from the scriptures that he had been so confused about. See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? He understood that baptism was the final step. And Philip says, well, if you believe, you may. And here was his confession. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God I believe that I believe that do you believe that strange case during the time of Jesus Jesus is preaching he's doing miracles people are believing in him in John chapter 12 verses 42 and 43 There are some folks there who believe Jesus. They believe in him. But because the Pharisees, pressure that they had put on them, they would not confess it. So they believed it on the inside. They just would not outwardly, overtly identify themselves with Jesus. Jesus says, here's the problem that they have. They love Jesus. The praise of men more than the praise of God. I'm going to tell you, here's a sad situation for anybody who believes that Jesus is the Son of God but won't confess it. And by extension, won't confess it, won't obey what is required of them. That somebody else stood in your way. That's the sad thing. Somebody else stood in your way. And here, here's what grieves me the most. Let's say it's my mom or dad who stand in my way. They don't want me obeying the gospel. They don't want me associating with those quote unquote Church of Christ people over there. I'm going to let my parents stand in the way of my obedience. Or it could be grandparents. It could be some relative in the family. It could be friends, peer pressure. I've known lots of folks, wasn't necessarily family. It was the people that they ran with. They were okay with them being worldly. But now that they've decided to follow Jesus, pressure was coming. They believed in Jesus, but they weren't about to confess it and by extension then act on it in obedience to the gospel. You know who you're going to blame for eternity? And think about how ironic this will be. If I do not obey the gospel, if I don't confess his name... I will forever be blaming. Well, I'll blame myself because I didn't have the courage to step through that opposition, but isn't this a terrible thought? I'll be blaming my parents. I'll be blaming my grandparents. I'll be blaming some family member. I'll be blaming these people I call my friends. What a tragedy that would be to live eternity with that kind of regrets. If I deny Jesus, Matthew chapter 12 verses, or Matthew chapter 10 verses 32 and 33 tells me if if I deny him, he's going to deny me before the Father. But if I'll confess him, then he'll confess me before the Father. And that whole study about confession, that's, that's not really a new thing because there were people who came to John the Baptist confessing. In that setting, they came confessing their sins. And then John would tell them what they needed to do to repent. In our scenario, it's a little bit different. I'm not confessing necessarily my sins. I'm confessing Jesus who can wash those sins away. You got sins Today, confess Jesus and act on that confession in obedience to the gospel. If there's anybody who needs to respond today, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come while we stand and sing together?
1: Bring Supper, we saying are 350.
3: Does anyone need an emblem to protect the Lord's Supper? We've got ushers in the back that'll help you if you do. Just raise your hand. All right. Uh, This morning as we, uh, we meet on this Lord's Day and we listen to a great sermon and we sing songs and we say prayers... All that is in accordance to God's will, and now we've reached a point in our worship where we focus our hearts and our minds on Jesus and the cross and the price that was paid, as Ken just illustrated for us. Really focus now on what God and His Son has done for us so that we might have life through Him. If you'll bow with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this bread which represents the body of Christ. God, our prayer this morning is that we partake of this bread in a manner that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bow with me. Likewise, God, we thank you now for the cup which represents Christ's blood and the sacrifice that was made on the cross. We pray, God, that we partake of this cup in a manner that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. On the screen above are multiple ways in which you can give, and at this time, we just want to say a prayer to thank our Father in heaven for all the many ways he's blessed us. Bow with me. Heavenly Father, we do, we thank you so much for the material blessings you've given us. We are blessed beyond measure here in this country, and God, our hearts are thankful for all that you do for us. and give us and we know, God, that everything we have comes from you. We love you. We thank you so much for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I do have two quick announcements before Tommy comes up and makes announcements. Our Salt Team 3 uh, breakfast, we're gonna have that in the tack. I wanna thank uh, Miss D. Worley and Sandra and Drew Gordon for helping me out this morning. We've got that set up, ready to go. Uh, gonna have a good time of fellowship and prayer in between services, and uh, K6 Fun Night is at the park. Doesn't look like rain is gonna happen, so there's an announcement about that in the bulletin. So after our five o'clock service tonight, I'll see all you young kids over at the park. Thank you.
1: Thank you for being here, being part of our service this morning. Please remember that this is our last 8.30 service. Beginning next Sunday morning, we'll have combined service at 9.30. Uh, only one service starting next week. Have a card uh, I'd like to read. Thank you so much for all who helped with the salad luncheon uh, and made the salad luncheon a success. We're grateful for all who made salads and for the 28 people that came and worked on Friday to serve those who drove through to take for their takeout orders you were all great this is from janita estes for the Hardeman associates as a worship bulletin on the tables in the uh, as you exit please pick up one of those we have quite an extensive sick list and then there are other announcements on the uh worship bulletin one in particular, the Golden Circle breakfast tomorrow. Leave at eight fifteen, and wear one of your logo shirts if you have <clears> them. <throat> That's all of our announcements. If you would, please bow as we close in prayer. Our Father, thank you for all of the many blessings that you bestow upon us every day, and Father, thank you for the lesson that Ken has brought to us about the good good confession that we make to. Enter into your kingdom. Be with us as we depart. These things we ask through Jesus' name. Amen.